Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I hope you love doing what God has wired you to do. And you won't waste your time trying to fuss that he didn't wire you like somebody else. That's a waste of time. You have passion. Stir it up. Get your gift working. No one can be you. Only you can be you. And God has wired you to do what you need to do to expand his kingdom. It's not about us. It's all about God. Everyone has a unique combination of talents, personality, and passion. No one's mix is the same as anyone else's. The challenge for you can come when you are discontented with your particular set of abilities and begin to envy someone else. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the importance of not only recognizing the abilities you have, but understanding that God's given them to you. You'll be learning how to become able to rest in what you've received from God. You'll also find out the ways that you can start to step out in faith and use the gifts you've been given to aid God's kingdom. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 22 with his continuing teaching called The Five C's. I want you to understand this. If we are going to communicate the good news to everyone everywhere, we must simply go. Notice the alls in these verses. All power, all authority. Nothing can defeat the power of God. All nations. God can change any person in any nation. Doesn't matter the language or circumstances. All commandments. The power of the word of God. All the word of God. Paul would say to Timothy, Timothy, teach the word of God. All the days, Jesus is with us every day with his power as we go and share. Now, the world needed to know about God and his plan of salvation. But Jesus proved to his disciples they couldn't go without something else. Here's command number two. Turn to Acts chapter 1-8. You know it well. Notice the command Jesus is going to give us. Before you go out, you must wait to be empowered. Acts 1.8. And the promise then follows that. The command and then the promise. You will be empowered to change your world. Look at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be My witnesses. You will not witness. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to go witnessing. That's okay. But really, we are the witness. That's our lifestyle. 
You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is known as the great empowerment. We have the great commission, but to fulfill it, we have to be empowered. What Jesus was saying to his disciples is this. Before you go, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, just like I was before I started ministry. So to effectively communicate the good news, there's a lot of things that I need to do in my life. I need to understand Scripture. I need, as Peter says, to be able to give an answer to anyone asked me for the hope that I have in a common sense way, using my own terms, and of course in using Scripture. But more than that, notice, to be effectively communicate the good news, we must be filled with God's power. Now, we know God kept those promises. As the disciples obeyed these two commands, God indeed kept his two promises. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, the New Testament church was born. For the next 30 years, those 120 people, as it began to grow, they turned their world upside down within 30 years. In spite of intense spiritual warfare, persecution, the power of God always defeats the power of Satan. Now, I want to speak to you about a couple principles as we go through. John 4, 34 and 35. Jesus says this. My food, what gets me going spiritually, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, some of you, four months more and then the harvest? Jesus says, no, 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 no. I tell you. Open your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. When? Now. First thing I want you to write is this, open your eyes. See, sometimes they say, Pastor Mark, I'm going to wait until a certain time, whatever. Look, open your eyes. There's lost people everywhere. Everywhere. That's what Jesus was saying. Spiritual work takes a priority. Remember, God, people, in the use of our time. People were dying and are dying without salvation in every single country in the world. Open your eyes. Number two, Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, notice now Jesus is our role model. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What's Jesus saying? Number two. Open your heart. It's not just some kind of a mental exercise. People, well, Jesus loved people. He saw their need. He met them where they lived. He walked into their towns. He was always in the marketplace. He knew they were searching. The devastating effects of sin in their lives. Jesus was known for his compassion. We saw that with the woman caught in the very act of adultery. The only one that had compassion was Jesus. No condemnation, but restoration. Now, the verse I just gave you a moment ago, 1 Peter 3.15, look at it. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Somebody says to you, well, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? Good people go to heaven, right? You say, well, 
No, most people believe that, but good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. Well, can you show me that? Absolutely. Easy to walk down those scriptures. But do this, notice, with gentleness and respect. The lost don't understand the Bible. How many of you here remember a day that really if someone said to you to turn to Second Peter chapter 3, you'd have been clueless. Let me see your hand. Come on right now. I won't ask how many are still clueless tonight. I'm just asking if you were clueless. Have we all been there? Yes, we have. So you don't want somebody making fun of you because we all have to learn somewhere. How many remember when you started to learn to drive? Your parent loved you, but they really didn't want to be in the car with you. Amen? So we, we have to have compassion. So this verse simply says this. Not only are we to open our eyes, not only are we to open our heart, but number three, we have to learn to open our mouth. Not with condemnation, not with sin sniffing, but with compassion. Thinking, this used to be me. God, give me the ability to tell them how my life has changed. Remember, Paul said it like this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel in Romans 1.16. Because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. Commit, connect, celebrate, and communicate the good news to everyone, everywhere. We come to our last C. Here it is. Contribute your time, your passion, your talents, and your possessions. Now, it's interesting. As you and I go through Scripture, there's really only two great themes from the beginning to the end. Here they are. Salvation. And stewardship. When we're judged by God, there's two questions that will come to mind. Number one, what did you do with Jesus? The answer to that will depend on where you spend eternity. What did you do with Jesus? See, there's one sin that will not be forgiven. It's a sin of unbelief. But the second question is really for those of you and I that easily answer question number one. The second question that God's going to ask us, what did you do with the time and the talents and the possessions I gave you? We are going to be responsible for that. So there's two questions. In the secular world, when you say the word contribute... We kind of know what that is. If you were ever in the business world, no matter where you are in the world, all over the world now, because really the world's really super small, you would hear people say this, well, why should we hire that person? What do they bring to the table? Or you'll hear somebody say, they can offer so much for this organization. Well, when God created you, he did the very same thing. Look at Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, before you were born, God wired you individually, every single one of us, with talents and abilities 
in a lifetime of opportunities to be useful for him, to do good things for him. We don't get to heaven by good works, but after we're saved by his grace, we are expected to be that servant. Remember, only two things, salvation and stewardship. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and go down to verse 10. Now, watch how this works. And we're going to go through very quickly so that you can see. For we, speaking about Christians, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one, not as a group, Mr. Mark, we're, we're all together as Calvary Chapel. No, that doesn't work. Each one may receive what is due him or her for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So God will be judging and evaluating all those things done in our body. Now, let me ask you a crazy question. How much time do you spend in your body here on earth? All the time. So there we go back to what we're going to be responsible for 24-7. Don't ever try to separate your life. This is spiritual and this is secular. No such thing. We're God's 24-7. So I'm going to be judged for all those things. God has a blueprint for your life. And much of that judgment, it's going to be the gap between the potential God had for us and what we reached, what we actually accomplished. So, Romans fourteen ten through 12, For we will all stand before God's seat, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, there's a lot of understanding that people miss it. They do a lot, a lot, a lot of really, really, really good things, but their motives are bad. There's in trouble. So, notice the second. Our final rewards in heaven have nothing to do with our salvation, But our final rewards will be based on outward service, time, talents, abilities, opportunities, but inward motives. God always looks at our hearts. Why are you doing this? What is happening? So notice this. Christ followers are both servants, but I'm a steward. I'm to have the attitude of a servant, which is humility, but I'm responsible as a servant for the house God has given me. And that house is me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you became the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be responsible for what happens with the giftings and the opportunities and the possessions In my time, in ministering in my life, as a parent, as a spouse, as an employee. Again, don't just isolate, well, it's a church thing, so I'm going to have to work harder in the church. No, it's all our life. Amazingly, some people don't think this is true, but it is true. Psalm 24.1 gives us a clue. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. See, we're really not the owners of anything. Everything you have, you're really a manager of. Everything you have, God gave you. Everything you have. And so we should be using everything that God gave us to do really five things. Let me go through them quickly. To meet our needs. To meet the needs of others. 
to expand the kingdom of God, to enjoy life now, we can have some fun, celebrate, and then to store up treasure in heaven. Now, to keep all those priorities straight, God knew he had to kind of give us a little guideline. This is what we believe. Three ways that God designed our giving financially. Ask yourself how you're doing. Number one, ties. 10% off the top of our income goes to God. And we do it joyfully, wonderfully. Offerings, free will gifts. God opens doors. Different missionaries come through. Different opportunities come. The plumpy dough you guys did, same thing. That gives us an ability. And third, God loves the poor. Alms to help the poor. Now, all of those kind of things God gives us. And it goes really back to attitude. The attitude is, I'm to do it joyfully. I'm not to do it reluctantly. Second Corinthians says, God loves a cheerful giver. So we need to learn to give and have the joy of giving. God never forces you. You can either give generously and cheerfully or sparingly and grudgingly. And I've learned this principle that I want you to write down, everybody. If you and I are generous with God, he'll be generous with us. If you're generous with your time, your talents, your possessions, your serving, your money, if you'll be generous with God, he will be generous with you. My wife and I have learned this. 46 years of marriage, we learned this from our parents before us. You will never outgive God. Just give. He said, well, I don't think I can. Just give, trust him, and you watch the miracles take place. Now, we don't give to get. We give to honor God. But he gives back to us. I want to give you four principles as we end this teaching. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 5. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or in heaven away from it. So goal number one, contribute in all your life, not just money, your time and your talents and your possessions and your ability. Contribute with the goal of pleasing God. God has made the greatest investment in you that anybody could make. He gave his son to die for you. The greatest investment God has already given you. The free gift of salvation. That's why you're going to spend eternity in heaven. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing more important than that. Now, as God did that, he left us here to work for him. Servants. He gave us abilities and time to be able to touch people to do that very same thing. Number two, contribute with humility. We already learned, you know this, when we came to salvation, God wired us to serve and expand the kingdom. It's God's gifting to us. You are no more worth to God than someone else. You and I are not better than someone else. We're all equal. We're simply servants of God. Each gifted differently and unique all around the world. You're unique, but you're not better than anybody else. We're all saved by grace. At the foot of the cross, the ground is all level. And that's where we kneel. Amen? And so as you understand that, 
I'm going to be humble. Now, John 15 tells us another reason. Jesus said this to his disciples. Without me, you can do nothing. Zero. Nada. Not a thing. But with me, you can accomplish what I've wired you to do. Number three. And this is a huge one for us. Contribute with excellence. One of the things that we strive to do is to do everything we can with excellence. We'll never be perfect, obviously. But our goal is to do with excellence. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. We are to have a strong commitment to excellence in everything to do. Why? Because we're serving God. It never fails to challenge me when Linda and I do a lot of traveling. We go a lot, as I said, to many parts of the world. In many parts of the world you go, and uh, people are out front of their little uh, tent or their little shack or their little teeny building, and there's no cement, there's nothing. But what are they doing? They're sweeping the dirt. And you'll see it all over the world. And when they're done, it looks really good. See, they're doing the best they can with what they have. It's beautiful. And that's what God's simply saying for you to do. Do with excellence because who are we really serving? God. Number four, contribute with passion. Contribute with passion. I hope, as you see Paul, I'll just read the first part of this. Paul says this to Timothy. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. I want you to think about this. I hope you love serving God. Here, I know you do. I hope you love doing what God has wired you to do. And you won't waste your time trying to fuss that he didn't wire you like somebody else. That's a waste of time. You have passion. Stir it up. Get your gift working. No one can be you. Only you can be you. And God has wired you to do what you need to do to expand his kingdom. It's not about us. It's all about God. And here's the last picture I want to leave you with. Following Jesus. We've just finished the five core commitments. That will take you far down the road of following Jesus. As you travel, you will be transformed to think like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to minister like Jesus. God has given you unlimited potential. Now, will you go and accomplish all that he's planned for your life? Remember, life is way more than a destination. It's also a journey. Enjoy your journey following Jesus Christ. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about what's called the Great Commission, Jesus sending out his disciples to go make more disciples. You learned about the need for you to really care about those who are lost, remembering when you were in an unsaved condition. You were reminded that all of your abilities and possessions are to be used for God and His kingdom. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This completes Pastor Mark's series, The Five C's. We hope that you've learned something new about being a Christ follower. As you recall the points that Pastor Mark made, we trust that you'll be encouraged to put them into action in your life. You'll find that implementing the five C's will change you for the better. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a herd